the horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you with us. We have producer Eric Ryder at the board. I am joined also today by my partner, Suzanne Mitchell. And I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we remember when. It's a privilege really to have the long perspective on pop culture, and certainly that is true of classic television. So many great shows, one of which we are going to focus on today as we speak with a gentleman named Hank Garrett, who is in fact the lone surviving regular cast member of a show that is still beloved today. Car 54, Where Are You? We're going to have an interview with Hank Garrett right after we pay the bills and let you know about who we are, <laughs> family of American Road magazine. So welcome to Trip Talk. American Road is glad to have you with us. We're delighted to have Hank Garrett, and we'll be back with that interview right after this. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine, with all your itinerary, we could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure. Have you listened to American Road Trip Talk yet? Feedspot.com has a team of over 25 experts whose mission is to discover and rank the most popular blogs, podcasts, and YouTube channels in several categories. At the end of 2020, Feedspot updated their survey of the top 20 road trip podcasts. Guess what? American Road Trip Talk finished the year at number one. Many thanks to the pros at Feedspot.com for the honor and to you, our loyal listeners. There's no way we could have done it without you. Get inspired every hour right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Trip Talk, everyone. For the record, Car 54, Where Are You? was an American sitcom that aired on NBC from September 1961 to April 1963. The story of two New York City police officers based in the fictional 53rd Precinct in the Bronx. Car 54 was their patrol car. For 60 episodes, hilarity ensued. And in addition to that, because I don't want to shortchange anyone, certainly not our honored guest of this program, Hank Garrett, the ensemble cast was one of the classics of all time. You would be very hard-pressed to find a group of people to make such a high-quality and much-beloved, even today, beloved product for the television audiences of North America. And so we're happy to have with us Hank Garrett. He's an American actor, voice actor, and stand-up comic, too. Also big in the wrestling and martial arts world, a busy man indeed. Hank is notable for, for uh, portraying Officer Ed Nicholson in Car 54, Where Are You? Mr. Garrett also appeared in films such as the 1968 version of The Producers, Serpico, Death Wish, Three Days of the Condor, The Sentinel, Exorcist II, The Heretic, and the 1979 version of the Amityville Horror. His TV credentials include the 1979 series Paris with James Earl Jones, Knott's Landing, HBO's First in Ten, Santa Barbara, and Max Headroom, too. He was the voice of Dial Tone in G.I. Joe, a real American hero. He is the author of a wonderful autobiography called From Harlem Hoodlum to Hollywood Heavyweight. 
quite a story there. Hank Garrett, welcome to our show. Thank you so much. I My read about you. Oh, we're delighted to have you, Suzanne and I. There, when we when we look at your story and we have talked to you in another venue and gotten so much of your personal account, all the things that you did, all the things that you survived, we're just really kind of blown away, Hank, that that you went for the Harlem hoodlum, that you were a guy that faced some tough times from a very young childhood, where, as your own mother said, you saw too much. And yet you wound up becoming a stand-up comic. You wound up being a TV and movie star. How did that acting bug bite you in the first place? How did you get there? I, well, I was a street hoodlum. And uh, my mother and father were fruit and vegetable peddlers with a pushcart. And one of my mother's customers was the mayor of Harlem. And my mother was crying to him that I was always in trouble, which I always was. I was um, street fighting. And the man came to me. Uh, his name is Willie Bryant. And I was standing on a street corner smoking with my fellow hoodlums. And he walked over to me and he said, uh, your mama wants me to take you up tonight. I thought my mother just put a contract out on me. He said, no, stupid. And he slapped a cigarette out of my mouth. He said, you got a suit? And I said, yeah, I've got a suit. He said, I want you to wear your suit tonight. But before you put that suit on, man, take a bath. And I knew I was going to kill this guy at one point. So I put on my suit he took me to the Apollo Theater to see Sammy Davis Jr. I really did not know who Sammy Davis Jr. was, and I saw the marquee feet starring Sammy Davis Jr. And we didn't go into the theater. We went around the back, and we wound up in Sammy Davis's dressing room. And the mayor said to Sam, uh, this is the kid I was telling you about. And he said, hey, man, sit down. I sat down. I was 12. And he said, I understand you're a tough guy. I said, yeah, I'm a tough guy. He said, uh, tough guys usually wind up with broken bones and scars. But you're beyond that. I said, what do you mean? He said, you're either going to go to prison or you're going to die. And he was right because I had a 25 caliber pistol in my pocket at the time, at 12. And as we were speaking, that gun was getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And he wound up, after conversation, getting me a job with an all African-American band. I became a band boy for the Lucky Millions of Band. And I said, well, I, I don't play an instrument. He said, no, no, no. You're going to put the music out for all the musicians. And at the end of the gig, just collect all the stuff and put it away. Well, at the end of the evening, we were playing at a place called the Hotel Teresa. And Lucky came to me and said, you did a good job, man. Very, very proud of you. And here, 
and he gave me $50. It's 50 bucks. He said, get yourself some new kicks, shoes. My shoes were torn to shreds. In fact, the I remember so well. The left shoe, I had a big rubber band around the shoe to hold the sole on. So I next day I went to Florsheim Shoes and I bought a pair of Florsheim Shoes for $15. And I gave my mother 35 And it was more money than she had seen all year. And that's how it started for me. Sam was getting me gigs. He got me up in the Catskills. And I was working at a hotel. And he said, I want you to watch the other performers. And I was watching the comics. And Sam heard that I, I was doing comedy at one point because every time I got into a tough spot with another gang, I made jokes about the neighborhood. And I was getting laughs instead of getting beat up. So 20 some odd years later, I'm Tony Bennett's opening act at the Sands. And I'm on stage and ringside, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Peter Lawford, and Sammy Davis Jr. When I got finished, Frank gave me a standing ovation. I'm gonna break up. Oh, the entire audience stood up. And everybody after the show ran to see Tony, except Sam. Sam came up to me and he said, you're a funny cat. Where do I know you from? He said, you're so familiar. And I said, Sam, I'm the kid that you said was going to go to prison or die. And we both cried. We held each other. Wow, I'm going to start tearing up now. And that's it. He was my angel. Sammy Davis was God sent to me. He was my angel. And now I, because of my manager, she had set up that I go and speak to children that are incarcerated. And I tell them about my angel. And I said, there's an angel out there waiting for each and every one of you. But you got to be ready. You got to be ready to listen. Listen with your ears and listen with your heart. And it's going to happen for you. It happened for me. I was headed to prison or be killed. And I was packing a piece. And here I am. And here you are with a legendary career, multifaceted as it is, Sammy Davis Jr., a guardian angel. And it seems like at different crucial points in your life and career, Hank, you met these guardian angels, some of them, uh, well, maybe all of them in a way, a genius in each their own way. You met a, another genius who was legendary among people who know the history of television, particularly sitcoms a man by the name of Nat Hyken. <laughs> and, and he was your introduction to the cast and the legend of Car 54, Where Are You? How yes. did that happen? Oh, he was amazing. 
Uh, I was a cop for about a minute and a half because I thought I would make a difference. And a friend of mine who was a, a fellow comedian, his wife was Nat Hacken's secretary. And so they got me an audition. Uh, and actually, it, more, it was more like a meeting than an audition. And I sat there and Nat Hyken looked at me and said, you're Ed Nicholson. And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm Hank Garrett. And he said, just the kind of dummy I'm looking for. Ed Nicholson <laughs> is the character I want you to play on the show. You are Ed Nicholson, got it? And I said, I got it, I got it. And the next day I was sent to wardrobe and they fitted me for an outfit. And uh, because I was a bodybuilder, uh, uh, Nat took advantage. He said, what you're gonna do most of the time, you're gonna be in the locker room posing but not you're, you're not posing for the men, you're posing for yourself because you're going to keep looking in a mirror. And, and it was, in, in fact, because I was always in a T-shirt, standing there flexing, my mother said to me, can't they give you a shirt? <laughs> she said, you're always in your underwear. It's not nice. The neighbors are talking. <laughs> <laughs> what an extraordinary experience and what i will say about car 54 where are you is that not only did it have a long title but also it had but 60 episodes which by standards of today we could name all sorts of series that have gone on to great success and remain beloved decades after they stopped production but in the case of 60 episodes i think that's such an outsized influence on people who appreciated the vaudeville the cat skills roots that Nat yes. <laughs> and all of you brought to that show and with what a cast Suzanne and I were going back and forth with some of the names there was Joe E. Ross of course Fred Gwynn who went on to play a rather tall character in another series Al Lewis who joined him on that series yes and in addition to that there were these wonderful guest stars wonderfully uh characterized people who made a career out of being character actors in comedies, on top of which you even had celebrities doing their star turns. And one of which I thought this must appeal to you, Hank, you had the raging bull himself in an episode, oh, Jake LaMotta. Jake, of course. We had Rocky Graziano. We had Sugar Ray Leonard Robinson, Sugar Ray Robinson on the show. And because Nat Hyken was such a fight fan, he had all these incredible people. In fact, Jake and I remained friends forever. And uh, each time one of these gentlemen appeared, I was in awe. I said, oh my God, I'm getting to work with, <gasps> look who it is. <laughs> and when I saw Sugar, I knew him from Harlem because I lived on 111th between Park and Lexington and Sugar had a beauty parlor in Harlem on 125th Street. So it was, oh God. And as a what? side note, I read somewhere years ago that Sugar Ray Robinson 
is considered by many in the boxing world to have been among the purest scientific fighters. So that if you look at this manly sport of boxing, he wasn't a heavyweight, but in his class and pound, pound, for, pound, pound for pound, he was an extraordinary athlete in the ring. We got, oh, God. We had Sugar and, uh, oh, God, uh, Rocky Graziano on the same show. Now, Shari Lewis, who was also a guest, uh, she came to us as the, the police and she said, can you please, please, Rocky is a hairdresser, but he wants to be a fighter. And so can't you get do something to dissuade him? Now, Sugar comes in and one of the guys knew Sugar and he said, listen, can you possibly spar with this guy just to let him know he's not a fighter? But if he sees you, he's going to know who you are. So we disguised him as an old retired gentleman. Now we get in the ring, we got the sugar, we help him into the ring, we carry him in, and there's Rocky. And they, they're just sparring, you know, a little bit, and then Rocky starts throwing stuff, and Sugar starts blocking it. And Sugar just threw two quick jabs, pop, pop. And Rocky stopped and he looked right in the camera and said, why does that feel so familiar? <laughs> oh, no. He had lived a life, and we kept it in, and it was incredible. And here I am with the two great champs of the world. Oh, my God, what a feeling. What a feeling. You worked with great champs. You also worked with some of the greatest comedians. And I was wondering, in Car 54, where are you with with Al Lewis and Ed Gwynn and I mean, all the people who were in that show, who was it who made you laugh? Who did you, who tickled your funny bone when you were on that show? When did you oh, crack up? God. That we had so many wonderful guest stars. Uh, I break up at car accidents, you know, that's, <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, I think, for example, you, you worked with someone who was a highly educated man in Fred Gwynn. He was smooth. He was kindly. He was fan friendly. And at the same time, and this is what you get with a great ensemble, I suppose, you had a Fred Gwynn, you had a Joe E. Ross there, but you also had an Al Lewis, whom I absolutely love on screen, though I understand that he wasn't always a bowl full of cherries. No, no. And he was my partner on the show. Oh. oh my God. We did a celebrity autograph show and Al had a table. I had a table. And I see people going over to Al to, to buy an autograph picture. And he kept saying, what are you standing there? What do you want? <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I say, well, Mr. Yeah. Lewis, we want to buy a picture from you. All right. What do you want? Which one? And they said, uh, this one, I don't have that anymore. <laughs> well, take it away. Don't tell me what to do. I said, okay. 
Now, at the end of the evening, he said, how'd you do? And I, I said, very well. He said, you did? I can hardly sell a picture. What? People are annoying. <laughs> <laughs> They're annoying. <laughs> so, oh, my God. Oh, Show carpet oh and the guy person. who yes. became one of my closest friends in the world, the amazing Carl Ballantyne. Is a guy who never completed a trick. Everything went wrong with all his tricks, and he was brilliant, brilliant. And uh, oh, and let's not forget the much beloved Nipsey Russell. Oh, Nipsey, soft, gentle humor and poetic. Oh, absolutely, the poet laureate of Harlem. I love he lived that. The, two blocks away from where I, I lived on 111th between Park and Lexington. And there were times I would ride on the back of his scooter to the studio. Oh, wow. And the studio went nuts. They said, no, 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 do not ride on a scooter to come to work. God forbid something happens to you. Then we're in trouble. We said, oh, gee, but thank you for, for the wonderful thought. And when I think of the episodes of Car 54, there, uh, this is for the TV historians. I think I need to ask this one as well as for my own education. Hank, the, the show began its syndication uh, pretty early, as soon as it went out of production in January of 1964. I began to see reruns. I remember being a kid watching them before I went off to uh, parochial school. And there was one episode in particular, and I think you'll know where I'm going with this. So in January of 1964, syndication begins. But there was one episode that, if I have it right, was one that they chose not to air because to have watched it that soon in syndication because of history, because of fate, would have been unbearable for millions of people. Does that make any sense to you? No, no. I'm not. I, I'm not sure that it actually made it into the package early on. I saw it decades later. I think it was in the late 90s, if I recall. Wow. It was the episode where um, Fred Gwynn, being the Irishman, Irish Catholic, living with his mom and his sisters, absolutely idolized President Kennedy. Couldn't believe that an Irish Catholic got elected president. Well, they had the episode where the security, the safety of the president of the United States was in the hands of the 53rd precinct of the Bronx. Hilarity ensued, but there were actual lines in there and we're coming up toward the end of our time, but I wanted to get this in. Um, the, the captain of the precinct said, you know, if anything should happen, and they were worried about something going wrong with President Kennedy's oh. visit. And I thought, now, if you're going to start syndicating in January of 1964, that's an episode that I could not see them showing. It would have to be deleted because people were still emotionally distraught and traumatized over the assassination. Yes. yes, in fact, we were trying to figure out who was going to ride in the car with the president. Uh, oh, yes. Oh, God, yes. It was a show that was fated to only air 60 episodes. And yet, as I pointed out a few moments ago, it has an, an outsized influence. People love it so much that there was an actual feature-length film made. And, sir, I must be honest with you, I watched five minutes of that movie 
which was, you know, based on the show. And uh, a couple of the cast members were in it briefly, but five minutes into it, I said, I don't want to watch this movie anymore. I don't think it did the TV show any justice. Yes, you were absolutely right. Uh, when we had news of, of, of his death, we were destroyed. We got to meet the president. Uh, he was a fan of Car 54. Oh, how wonderful. And, uh, oh boy. And they actually used parade footage of him, uh, presumably in New York City. They're riding and all the ticker tape is there and he's waving in all of his handsome glory. And I thought, this is fate. You know, this, this is a platform for the, uh, demonstrating how beloved JFK was. And yet, in hindsight, you just had to be tender with how you would allow that to play in the future if you're going to syndicate. That's, it was, I remember watching the late 90s and my jaw dropped. I said, that would be too rough 30 years ago. I, as a viewer, that, I would find that difficult to handle. It still is. Uh, just the thought. Uh is chilling, truly chilling. What an incredible human being. What a warm, sweet, sweet gentleman. Wow. And, and those folks who joined you in an ensemble cast, one of the best of all time, in, in my opinion, there still lives on today. And I see that the uh, you can get the episodes in DVD format. Thank goodness that that's available to us. And those 60 episodes are going to continue to live on. Anybody who hasn't seen it, find some way to get it. You can go to YouTube and get some scenes, and you'll know what all the laughter was about and all the joy when we watched that on Sundays. That was absolute appointment TV in our household for that relatively short run, and the memories live on forever. And Hank, thank you for your part of it. You are the lone surviving regular cast member. Yes. And um, I'll tell you, they had to kill you off on, on uh, TV through the end of the series. They couldn't find any way to do away with you otherwise. <laughs> You're a tough customer. <laughs> and now it's all, it's all that is in my book. Uh, yes. And I, I just want to mention that uh, it's on Amazon and the proceeds go to the disabled American veterans. Well, bless you for that and your work with young people. You are doing God's work, definitely. Thank Hank Garrett, author of From Harlem Hoodlum to Hollywood Heavyweight. Buy it. You'll love it. I have a copy, and it is a treasure. We're going to talk some more sometime. We'll have you back to talk about your film career and to talk about your wonderful uh, scenes that you did and also your work on Columbo. So give us another opportunity, Hank. Thank you for joining us today. It will be my honor. Thank you so much. A real pleasure. And now, ladies and gentlemen, a few words about Alert Drops. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days. And I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America. And Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks. They end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, 
Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Thanks for tuning into American Road Trip Talk. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road.